We are all worthy, strong, and committed, and we are ready to go beyond our own limitations. Welcome back, my friends and loved ones, to the Rebel Minded Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my co-host, Thor, of course, and I'm here as a friend, a creator, a powerlifter, and a provocateur. And we are here to learn to question the one thing that keeps us from our best, ourselves. Join me as we dive deep to question and strengthen our communication and our vulnerability, create a healthier mind to commit to our goals, and how to give more to our lovers and the world. We're going to face the uncomfortable truths of what it means to be authentically and uniquely flawed, but awesome humans. So, let's get rebel-minded. Also, I'll bring in stories of all things powerlifting, Thor shenanigans, and probably some embarrassing mishaps. Let's do this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome all of you amazing people. Back to the RMP. I'm your host, Zach. Playing a little quiet today. Got uh, a lot going on in the house <laughs> at the moment. Um, but uh, how are you guys doing? I, you know, I, I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, I, I noticed the downloads. I, <laughs> I noticed the, um, the, the connection, you know, and I'd love to hear how you guys are doing. You know, it's, it's not just for me. I mean, I definitely want you to subscribe. I want you to follow. I want you to, to listen in and I want you to do it intentionally. And I want to hear from you, you know, um, I want to have a relationship with you guys to the best of my ability. I want to, I want to hear what it is that you, what you like and what you love. And I want to build this podcast to be beneficial to you. So don't be afraid to shoot out. Give me a word. Um, give me a what's up. You, you know, um, find me at uh, the Rebel Minded Pod on Instagram. Um, you can check me out on uh, Facebook, just Zach Henson or the even the muscle hamster on, uh, on Instagram too. That's my powerlifting and, uh, personal profile, but just reach out guys. Um, I, I keep the social media minimal, um, for the sake of keeping my own sanity, but I would love to hear from you. And, you know, if you can give a review, if you can give some feedback, if you can give some sort of rating on Spotify or iTunes, I'd much appreciate it. Um, but, uh, let's get into it today. Uh, how did you guys, how did you guys do this week? I, I hope you guys are grinding on something, you know, it just feels like maybe the universe is lining up for that right now, but, uh, I feel like I've got this high potential to grind right now and I'm loving life and I've had my hiccups, especially the last couple of days. Uh, my mindset's been off, but I also noticed that is caused by the disruption in little things that, uh, get in the way, you know, uh, bad sleep, um, getting loose on my habits. But when we're intentional with our time and we feel in control of what we're doing and we're not shaming ourselves and we're not beating ourselves up about what we're, what we're not doing, you know, not chasing our goals, when we put just a little bit in, we start to feel powerful. We start, we start to feel confident. We start to feel really good about who we are and who we interact with and what it is that we do. So I hope you guys are out there taking control of taking control of your lives and taking control of your aspirations and your goals and, you know, creating vision boards and journaling and doing all the things that are going to get you just one baby step closer to what it is that you want to be, what it is that you want to have. Um, I just got just today, I just got a couple tattoos done um, that I've been waiting for a while to do. 
um, something that I've been thinking about doing but was unsure about adding more ink to my body. Um, not that I don't like it, but um, they were there for a purpose and I wanted them to be a catalyst for me. They are reminders uh, to me to keep on my path. And even my first original tattoo is the same thing. And it's that's what it takes for me, is to have reminders that keep my head up, keep me in the game, keep me uh, fighting the dark shadow side of me, and uh, to keep leading me towards a life of no regret. Um, so I hope you guys are out there doing the same. I really, really do. Um, I'll have to shoot you guys. I'll have to show you guys my tattoos. If you follow me on Instagram, I'll probably, on the Rebel Minded Pod or uh, the Muscle Hamster, I will probably end up showing them anyway. Um, but what are you guys up to? You know, what did you guys go through this week? Is there anything new that you picked up on that is a good habit for you? Or is are you dissolving some other bad habits? Or did you find something? Did you have an epiphany? Did you um, make a discovery about yourself? I'd really that's the stuff that I would really, really love to hear. I want to hear how you guys are progressing. Um but uh you know, for me, the you know, powerlifting is going well and, and I'm on a high. And I think I've been lucky enough to have a decent amount of those lately. It's it's been good. Um I'm gonna continue with solo episodes bi weekly and guest episodes bi weekly. Um as long as I can stand it, but I think even with a little bit of feed fa- feedback from you guys, I'd like to uh, make those even better. I want to make them stronger in a shorter amount of time. Um, I want to have 30 to 45 minute uh, sections and episodes for you guys to really pack in some material and give you more time to live outside of listening to podcasts. So um, without getting too carried away here, um, I love you guys. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for following me. Thanks for keeping your heads up. Thank you for taking anything that I say into consideration. Um, it is a dream of mine to be a powerful voice and to be a motivator and influencer for other people because I had so much of my own downtime, so much time where I, I wish I would have had somebody else to speak to me, to show me the way. And if you haven't had that, or if you don't have that, I hope that I can at least be something to you. I hope that you gain something from my voice and from my podcast. And I want to support you the best way that, that I can. So let's get into this. This is our next guest episode. Um, this is episode 68 with Charlotte Winters. Charlotte Winters is an award-winning writer and life coach. For TV and film, she writes offbeat comedies and dramas featuring smart and sassy females in morally ambiguous worlds. Having graduated Vassar with a BA in theater in UCLA with an MFA in screenwriting, Charlotte has written more than 12 award-winning TV and film scripts and associated produced a History Channel show. She believes in goal-setting for creatives because for her, Setting and achieving goals isn't so much about accomplishing tasks as it is going on little adventures. She attributes her unique point of view to her upbringing. As a dual Danish-American citizen, she was raised by older, non-conventional parents in the wilds of northern suburban New Jersey. Welcome to the podcast, Charlotte Winters. The biggest thing 
that we talked about last time, like the, the biggest basis we had as far as having a, a rebel-minded thought uh, or, or theme was um, you said something called, or you said something to the, that was like the silent rules that we all adhere to. Yeah. Right. And it's super intriguing to me. And I, and I want everybody to hear what that means. But, but first, I want everybody to know, I want everybody to know who you are. And I want them to know where your foundation was, like how you grew up, what are all the things that created your, your character, and what it is that you're putting all your energy to and, and getting, creating a, a value system and a life that's based around that message. Sure. Uh, the silent rules. Sure, absolutely. So my name is Charlotte Winters, and I am half Danish and half American. My mom was a Danish citizen, and I have dual citizenship. I grew up in northern New Jersey, and I think that um, I had a unique upbringing in that um, my mom was 42 when she had me, and my dad was 52. And, you know, um, back then, and maybe even still now, that's kind of like you're entering maybe a, a difficult zone, you know, for conception or whatever. Yeah. But my mom just kind of didn't care. Like, she <laughs> was like, she was just sort of like, I don't care, you know? Um, and she didn't allow the fear to creep in or anything like that. Now, um, my dad had, so I was, he was 52 when I was born. And at that time he was working at Columbia Presbyterian as a clinician slash professor in New York. And what was interesting is that two years later, he started at 54, he co-founded a home healthcare company that kind of went gangbusters. Um, so it was just outpatient um, services to people's homes, you know? Okay, cool. So it was just like a nurse comes with an IV and stuff like that. That's sweet. Yeah. And um, the so it was sort of like he was kind of the medical brains and he teamed up with somebody who was more of the business end mm -hmm. of it. And it just kind of, it went really well. He got and the right concoction. Exactly. And it was just sort of like what I remember. So I grew up in the eighties is, um, you know, my dad was building the business and we moved around a lot. And that may have been just, I always just like to joke that moving was my mom's favorite hobby, you know, <laughs> like she would just get bored and we're like, we're moving, you know, so I <laughs> Yeah, like I lived in about 10 places before I was 18, all Jesus. of northern New Jersey. Like one time, almost literally, we moved across the street halfway through, I, you know, me being in fourth grade and I had to change schools. Wow. You know? So it just kind of was like, it sort of instilled this mentality, like, I don't know, like life constantly changes, you mm -hmm. know, and I think what had happened was by the time, so I mainly grew up in a small town called Mendham. Um, and that was in the two places where, you know, the first place and then the second place when we moved across the street. And what I noticed was that my family, because I was the only child of two older parents, I, I, somehow that I was one of the kids that was kind of questioning the default. 
So for example, okay. it was, I wasn't actively questioning it, but for example, my name is Charlotte. It's not Laura. It's not Jennifer. Mm -hmm. It's not Carol. It's not any of these names where in the 1980s, it's like, oh, oh, sorry, that was an off screen. Okay. Um, yeah, live podcast, everybody. There nobody a, died, right? <laughs> nobody died. It was just, um, I think the, I think somebody's showing the apartment across from me. And I think that the, they just accidentally slammed the door. They're testing um, the doors. Exactly. And the doors work. Um, so it's kind of like, um, you know, when I grew up, it was just like your name was Laura or it was Jennifer and you were one of several siblings mm -hmm. and mom drove a mini minivan or a station wagon and you lived in a split level house, which had vinyl siding. Dad had a steady job. Mom was the homemaker. And it was just kind of like, you know, quietly assume that you were going to go to college to get a job and just kind of repeat the whole cycle all over. Mm -hmm. Okay. My parents were a little bit different. So again, we moved around a lot. My mom hated minivans and, you know, like station wagons. And I would be like, why can't you? I want to sit in the way back. And she's like, oh, they're terrible. You know, they're so trashy. Um, you Your know, mom sounds like the perfect rebel. She was. I mean, she proposed to my dad. That's even more impressive. That's amazing. Yeah, like they- um, Where are you she, at, ladies? Come on. Yeah, no, the, my parents were living and working together in the 70s in a lab. And, um, you know, there was just one night over a dinner of liver and mashed potatoes that she cooked. She was just like, so, Venevi getting married. And my dad <laughs> was just like, well, let me check my book. And literally, they got married 11 days later. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> So and nonchalant. I know. And it's just like her family came in from Denmark. His family came in from Illinois. Um, they really like I have pictures from it. And I, I mean, maybe this audience remembers the Madonna Vogue video where she's wearing that like black lace see through blouse. Nope. No idea. Okay. Well, Madonna had a video for Vogue and she wore this black lace see through blouse. Okay. Okay. That's basically what my mom wore. Your mom's a badass. I can I know. tell. I know. And she just, she wore it, and, but she had these like, God, this sounds so weird, but she had these like, you know, kind of huge knockers. And so she wore <laughs> this like, what I like to call this. So she look. looked good. Yeah. No, she was this gorgeous, like Scandinavian woman. So it's like, it's this white industrial bra underneath this black lace. And that was her wedding gown. Oh and my God. Yeah. And it was just like, they just were just like at every turn where there was some supposed to be like suburban cliche, like my name was supposed to be Jennifer or Laura. Yeah. They just bucked it. You know, they were just like, we're not doing that. That's so cool. Yeah. And what I thought was super cool was that um, when it came to college and education, you know, I was I was just like, dad, what do I major in? And he's just like major in whatever expands your mind the most. Yeah, that's good advice. You know, it was just like the rest will take care of itself, you know. And so that was really cool. Like they believed in education. My dad was super smart, if not brilliant, but he believed that that education was not just for accumulation of prestige on a resume mm -hmm. or as I've begun to really wonder about our educational system, is it really about compliance? Hey. 
I mean, if you're, if, if you're not aware, you know, it definitely yeah. could be. It's a good think thought. Because think about it. Like, um, so all of the stuff that we're taught, right, in high school and maybe even depending on your major in college, how much, I mean, almost universally, people are like, I didn't learn anything that was appropriate to the real world, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like, my parents were always just like, you should go in and learn how to be a critical thinker and be creative. But, but let's go back to education right now. The kids who excel the most in high school, the straight A students, so people who are taking BC Calc and whatever, and yeah, I was, I was a bit of a nerd too, but isn't it just a matter of compliance? Because it's just like, how far are we going to test people to study these things that are going to have no practice, no bearing on their lives? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that there, there's a very, this is only theory, you know, and maybe it's because I didn't go to college myself, but I was a good student and, and I wanted to get good grades. Um, I think mostly I just didn't have a plan. Um, but I think there's a very few selection of people that will get into where they want to go on purpose because that's what they desire. Yeah. You know, I think that there's this push saying this constant, uh, story that you're being told of like, Hey, get good grades. You'll get, you know, get into a good college. Like that's the way to start off. That's how you're going to be successful. And then you hear of all these people that, you know, before their thirties, even, you know, tell you that you have, that they have an education that they don't even use. And I think at some point, every piece of education has done something for you, even yeah. if it's just that experience that taught you, uh, things that may not have any anything to do with that particular education. But I, I think you're right. I think that there's some sort of system there that is, is driving to get us all going the same direction and on the same thought. And I don't know, it sounds like your fucking parents are like, even if you wanted to go to college, what better advice than what your dad said, find something that, that is, you know, well, you said it better than, than I did, but you yeah. know, passionate and like you feel good about what, what yeah. was it that you said? It was just like, um, he was just kind of like, find something that what opens up your mind the most. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he was just like, he, I mean, he just had this incredible view of life and he was both of my parents. I mean, they had their ups and downs, but they were very happy. Mm -hmm. And what was cool was that, um, you know, I noticed as they often say in self self-help, it's like the quality of your life is the quality of the questions that you ask yourself. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> You've never heard this. Are you a philosopher? <laughs> no, I just, I listen to a lot of self-development stuff and I just try to apply it to my life, you know, yeah. like, yeah, 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 that's true. So it's kind of like for them, it was, um, you know, once I, they, they love to say that they lived in New York, but they slept in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, once I, you know, graduated college, they finally moved into New York. And then when I moved out from New York to LA, they, they were 70 and 80 at that time. And they were just like, well, we're going to move to Denmark and we're going to retire there, you know? And I, and it was so funny. I was, cause I knew how much, like anytime I would ask my mom about Florida, she'd be like, oh, it's boring. No, <laughs> never. Oh, it's so tacky, you know? And so they moved to Elsinore, Denmark. And if we want to talk about another rebellious thing, um, my dad, so my mom was Danish. My dad was not. 
Um, and so when they moved over there, they enrolled him in a free Danish class okay. um, given by the municipality because people move to Denmark quite often and okay. horrible language. But um, <laughs> my dad just sat in on a few classes and after a while he was just like, oh, this is awful. I hate it. Uh, this language just, it, and he had this Southern Indiana twang. He's like, it just yeah. doesn't make any sense. Oh, it's horrible. So, and most Danes speak English. So he has the dubious honor of being one of the few people in Denmark who who held an MD slash PhD and was a second grade Danish dropout. <laughs> you know, but to occupy himself, he would spend about eight hours in front of Google every day. Mm -hmm. um, researching topics of medical nonfiction. And for his own edification, you know, he started writing books. It was like creative nonfiction. So it's like, how was Viagra discovered? You know, and he would do like deep dives on this. And what was so funny is that after several years of work, he self-published on Amazon. And then um, my half brother went to a grade school reunion in New York and chatted up a publisher and said, yeah, my dad self-published this on Amazon. And the next thing we knew, my dad got an official book deal when he was 89 years old. That's fantastic. I know. And it was just like, I got, I, I love my parents. I am so grateful for their, um, for being role models in the sense that what they taught me, because it's often said that more is caught than taught. It's like life is just this thing that you can interact with. You don't mm -hmm. have to be a passive, scared consumer mm -hmm. of whatever. It's just like it's there. It's yours to kind of be like, well, what's that about? Mm -hmm. You know, and to really reach out to people that you admire and, you know, to and I've done this myself, like, you know, if there's a particular writer or somebody that I really like, I'll write them a letter and ask for, you know, their autograph. And it's just like, it's just you have to just kind of be like, okay, what is this kind of barrier that makes me think I can't do this? Mm -hmm. And that's a good segue to um, the silent rules that we all agree to. It, it honestly sounds like you had a pretty like awesome setup for, for how to look at life. Yeah. So, okay. So, so you go to college and you move out. So, so where does life take you after that? Well, um, so I was a drama major. I went to Vassar College and it was a very general theater degree and it was wonderful. Um, so I spent several years in New York doing off, off, um Broadway shows you know like I you were, would, so you were like an actress no I was a playwright oh okay okay yeah and so I would just do that and then it was just like five years out I was just like yeah okay I can do this and still have a day job or I can go off to California and you know take a you know a crack at screenwriting and I knew in advance how lonely LA could be and how much more I needed to really work my screenwriting chops so I applied and I got into uh, UCLA film school, um, specifically for screenwriting. And for three years, it's just like, I just kind of wrote my ass off because it's just like in that kind of environment, um, you have to write a new 110 page or original feature every 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. 
Plus you have to do all these other courseworks plus hold down a job and everything like that. But it was, such a, yeah, it was like, it was a, an enormous amount of work, but it was so great, you know, and my parents would always be like, how's it going, you know, and, you know, they hated California, but they loved the fact that, you know, I was going for my dreams. My mom was just like, oh, California is only good if you're an orange, you know, um, <laughs> mom. I know, but it was just like, you know, I just, I wrote a lot and, you know, I interned on a few shows and stuff like that. I graduated and for pretty much like the last 10 years, I've been working in and out of the entertainment industry. Um, I, um, a script that I wrote out of, you know, after UCLA, um, I, you know, I kept, a, I still am very tight with my UCLA friends and we would have a writer's group and a script that I wrote in that group actually got me staffed on a history channel show. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. yeah which was super cool. Um, and um, yeah, like I've just been working in and out. And I think when the pandemic hit, well, a, a major event of like the last decade or two events is that both of my parents passed. So my mom passed in 2016 and my dad passed in 2018. And it was sort of like, okay, I've spent about a decade of my life and I've come X far. Mm -hmm. Do I want the next decade to look like this? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I can't, I love writing. I will always write. I will be like my dad, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, of course I would love to get produced professionally, but it's a matter of, am I using my talents, all of my talents, in a way that serves the greater good, mm -hmm. you know? And I really thought about that. And I listened to a lot of self-development just in getting out of the grief and stuff like that. And so during the pandemic, you know, I enrolled in life coaching school. Cause it's just like, it's, it's just like when I die, what do I want my legacy to be? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that there's no reason why I can't continue to write and be a life coach. So yeah, I'm yeah. a bit of a multi-passionate. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think so many times people can, I think there's an importance to, to having a one major thing that you, that you commit to because it's, it's your thing. Right. But like our hobbies and our interests and our sports and, you know, our fitness or, you know, and the, the way, the way we read and what we read and all this stuff, like it makes us multidimensional. It makes us yeah. deep you know, humans that, that show what it would be like to connect with us, you know, that Absolutely. make really good connection. Absolutely. Know? Yeah, no, totally. And it's just that, you know, pursuing self-development more, it informs my writing more. Like this is how people, mm -hmm. you know, this is how they take, but the, the silent rules that we all agree to. So this happened, I discovered this phrase when I was in Whole Foods about five or six months ago. Right. That's the only place for this to come up. <laughs> exactly. Because it was just like Whole Foods has kind of become an oasis for me. Like, yeah. you know, when I just don't feel like being, you know, home by myself, I'll go and I'll just like, you know, buy. When I was on 75 Hard, there was really only two things I could buy. Yeah. Um, but I was walking around and I remember I was looking in the coffee aisle and there was like this Stumptown coffee for like, you know, $9.99, you know, beans. And I'm just like, we're all silently agreeing to this price. I mean, we haven't purchased oh. it yet. But the fact that 
I was looking around at the consumers and I was thinking about all the prices at Whole Foods. Yeah. And I was just like, we're all kind of in agreement that we're willing to pay a higher price for whatever item because that's just Whole Foods, mm-hmm. you know? And I began to oh, think Oh yeah, they've about, got the reputation, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's sort of like, I began to think about it, like the silent rules we all agree to. I was just like, what does that mean? So I recently had read um, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind by Vishen Lakhani, and um, apologies. Yes, and he talks about the brules, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. so I thought about that and I was just like, okay, well, okay. So whether you know it or not, or have been conscious of it, it's just like, there are so many silent rules in our culture. And I think a lot of it comes back to morality. So for example, um, it's a silent rule that you're not going to go out and commit grand larceny at Whole Foods. Okay. <laughs> it's just kind of most people agree with that, right? Most, so- most. Yeah. And so like the major stuff, and it also comes from religion. It also comes from economics. Okay. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I always think about like the invisible hand of the market, you know, that's, what's going to dictate, you know, the, the coffee being a certain price. Right. So it's just, we have, it comes from, I feel politics, religion, um, economics. Okay. So we have these great big things, but then what it also boils down to what I'm really most concerned of with a life coach are just these patterns of behavior, okay? Which it comes from maybe defaults that we think that our little corner of the world has. Mm -hmm. It also comes from, you know, um, patterns of behavior. Um, Maybe like, for example, um, I've been in corporate cultures where there was very, there were implicit politics and it's sort of like you don't talk to this person right like you don't have enough power to talk to this person oh god yeah okay so that's like a silent (laughs) forget that we're people yeah which i think is just vaguely dehumanizing Mm -hmm. um and i just think that it shows up also maybe even in relationships you know like um if you're in a relationship it's kind of like I play this role, you play that role, or it could be with your friend group, because I think what, like your net worth or your income is the average of the five people that you hang around with the most. Yeah. I think I heard something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we're doing this kind of unconsciously, Mm -hmm. but it's like what I'm concerned with, with as a life coach is look, I would never tell anyone to break, you know, the major rules, like, you know, go commit grand larceny, you know, or (laughs) what have you. But what I'm curious about is just on a day-to-day level, how many of these kind of rules, these silent rules, are you agreeing to and you're acting out and you're not even aware of them? Are they benefiting you or are Mm -hmm. you becoming conditioned to be someone that you're not? Yeah. Well, and we're, there's, there's so much stuff that our brain relies on the autopilot for, Mm -hmm. right. And it's, it's, it's working on efficiency. So the most important tasks can can get our most, uh, our most attention, but I don't know, maybe this is a good question then. Do you think that because of thing, because of that exact situation that are like the way that our brain works, that that is possibly a huge 
disadvantage because because we're we're surrounded by a majority right and so mm-hmm. we have these thoughts of like well why can't i get better well when you know 80% of your life is on track to be quote unquote the average i'm not saying everybody's average but if everybody's acting the same way and that's what you're always surrounded by and you go through auto- all the automatic habits that everyone else does what do you expect but maybe right. that's the big question yeah exactly like if you're if you're doing what everybody else is doing and thinking the way that everybody else is thinking, why wouldn't you be average? Yeah. 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 You know, because I don't know, I've been also reading up on Jeff Bezos recently and I know that Amazon has issues with um, labor and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the fact that somebody created Amazon and he's now basically using the proceeds to go into space you know, like that's, there are worse things. Yeah. But it's sort of like what level of thinking and, and what, what habits or whatever do you engage in to get you there? And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that's right for everybody, but I'm amazed that somebody was able to pull it off. Mm -hmm. Well, when you go from, you know, the person that wanted to make it easier for people to get books, right. All the way after how long is Amazon over a decade, right? Like the Amazon's been in business, right? All the way to somebody that wants to invest money into getting people into space. Like look at Elon Musk too. Yeah. You know, NASA shuts down and they don't have a space program anymore. And these these types of guys step up and say, no, we can't give up on this. Like the money invested is worth it. There's probably other things that have to do with it, but all this money is worth it to get humans to go beyond our, our our current state yeah yeah i mean that's just like it's extraordinary thinking and execution yeah 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 you know and it's just like believing it's beyond the average exactly and it, it's i mean i think that they've they both have demonstrated that you know they found ways to move beyond these brain shortcuts mm-hmm. but they're not going for the path of least resistance mm-hmm you know, but, and that they've created their own life. And to a certain extent, they've imposed their reality on us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that it it's a personal thing. I don't think, I think, you know, Jeff Bezos is meant to be Jeff Bezos. Charlotte Winters is not meant to be Jeff Bezos, you know? <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, it's a very personal thing to take stock of one's life and to be like, why do I feel this way? Or mm-hmm. what is not working here or something feels off and you mm-hmm. really have to spend time doing that work to be like, okay, this is what I'm good at. This is, you know, how I can help other people. And it is rebellious to actually work from that as opposed to just, just kind of accepting what's there and thinking that you have nothing to contribute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I mean, going into my own experience, I always, f- f- throughout the last decade, like, th- I always just base it on, on my 20s, like all the way through my 20s. Um, started a little bit earlier than that. But I just was waiting for for life to give me what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Not not I, I for some reason, I thought that somebody would just sense my ability and my potential, and that somebody would find me. 
mm-hmm. right? And it didn't get me any closer to anything I ever wanted. I didn't learn anything more. You know, I didn't enjoy anything more. I hated my job, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's where a, a lot of people are stuck. Maybe they, maybe people kind of think of it a little bit differently than I do, but I expected the world to give something to me. I expected the world to see how great I was and come up to me one day and be like, this is your opportunity. Now work your ass off. Mm-hmm. And this, it's just not how it works. No, you're so right. I've, I've had that level of thinking too, um, where it's just like, one day I'll be asked to the dance (laughs) (laughs) and um, it's not there there. It's weird, but no, it doesn't work that way. And, um, and it's kind of like, you really do have to seize it and you have to make your mark, you know, um, because that's just how it is. But I think that that's a very common way of thinking And I do wonder how much of that is based on the school system. Like, you know, one day you'll graduate, one day you'll get that job, Mm -hmm. one day you'll afford the mortgage, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's just, there's this unconscious like level of delayed whatever. And then one day you wake up and you're just like, none of that has happened. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, certain things haven't happened. So what do I need to do to change my circumstances and to make something? And I think that the biggest thing out of all of that is one day you'll be happy. And so it kind of sets you up of like, well, if one day I'll be happy, then right now I must not be happy. So eventually it's going to come. Exactly. And then you act the day every day over and over the same way, waiting for the happiness to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I mean, I've noticed this in my own psyche because I am a goals coach. And I think that probably about gosh, five or seven years ago, I was pulling myself out of student loan debt from going to UCLA, right? Mm -hmm. So much of my life was on hold because I was just working my face off and just chunking money towards getting rid of the debt, Mm -hmm. right? And there was this point that it was just like, I'll be happy once I'm out of debt, right? Mm -hmm. I I could see myself playing that mental game and I got Mm -hmm. out of debt and I was so thankful for it But at the same time, you know, the Facebook feed moves on, sweetie, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just sort of like, it's only in the past two or three years have I really actually walked out the meaning of happiness is now. Happiness is yeah. And any, any happiness that you think is going to happen when, you know, you get to that level of your career or something like that, that's an illusion. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, it, it really is like right here and right now. You know, and, and there's something that, that comes with the territory of understanding the differences between the two. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's, a, there's a position of relief, I think. Like after doing a decade of, of something that I never, that I never enjoyed, but something that I also left myself open to be told to do more, you know, more or less. Um, I, I follow the things that, that made me feel like we're going to make me happy. You know, the things, the materialistic, the tangible things. And the crazy part was that even once I started to transition into something more passionate, um, it, it's not like the happiness was all of a sudden there because that in that in that decade 
it was still hard work. Now, did I relieve a pressure? Like there was this pit in my chest that I just couldn't get rid of something that I didn't even realize was there. So there was this relief factor. Like whenever I started to feel like things were more under my control, but it didn't get easier. And that happiness didn't just come like the work was still all right in front of me. Like I still had to be digging through shit. Right. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No. And sometimes you really do have to just like, be like, okay, that's what it is. I got to just buckle down and do the work. Mm-hmm. I get it. And at some point you have to get excited about the work. If, if you yeah. finally feel like you're in control, then you have to be excited about it. I think. Yeah, I think, but I, it, the careful dance that I've learned with this, when you're just kind of, you're in the work yeah. and you know, it may not be paying off immediately is you got to just take the, and again, I don't mean to be like hippy dippy life coachy, whatever. Nope, let's hear it. I want to hear it. Um, but it, it comes back to gratitude. It's just like, okay, you know what? I am, I mean, there were days on 75 hard where I really didn't want to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night and I still have to get in my second workout. Okay. Tough. But it's like, Yes. You know, there were, you know, it's, it's kind of insane, but the, here's the thing you have to step back and be like, I should be so lucky that this is my problem. Okay. I should be so lucky that I can do yoga anytime I want in a safe place, you know, at home, what have you. I mean, this is like nothing. And again, Mm -hmm. it juts up against our negativity bias, Mm -hmm. you know, because our brain's they just are kind of jerks and (laughs) you're not wrong. Yeah. And it's just sort of like, okay, you know what? I'm actually grateful for this. And I'm grateful that I don't have to do 75 hard to lose weight. You know, I, because, you know, I was part of the Facebook group and my gosh, there are some people who join who are like, they're, they're obese and that's not Mm -hmm. being judgmental. It just is. But in doing the program, you see their day one picture and their day 75 and it's insane, you know, and you're so happy for them. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it really is tapping into the gratitude. I'm so grateful that I get to learn this skill as opposed to being a member of the walking dead, sitting in a cubicle and just spitting back whatever they give me, Mm -hmm. you know? No, no. Yeah, totally. Um, so if, if people needed something to kind of reference to, what do you think are the, these biggest silent rules that people are oblivious or possibly oblivious to that, you know, they're not seeing? Oh, that is such a great question. I would have to say, I think that the biggest one, okay. So seven out of 10, Americans are dissatisfied with their jobs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think that the biggest one is to everybody raise your hand. Yeah. But it's sort of like, um, okay, if that's the case, then is this rule? Like, do you feel like you have to, what is the rule that is saying that you need to keep this job? Yep. What is the rule that's saying that you can't work towards a better job? You know, um, what does that mean? Do you have to wake up early? Do you want to do your own thing? Like, what what do you envision? How do you want to grow? I think that that's the number one biggest thing. And I think that it's it's fear causing people, like holding people back. I think also another rule, you know, I haven't encountered this so much, but it does have to do with money. Um, 
I mean, the, I think that the belief that I need to have X amount in the bank account, or I need to drive this car or the, the materialism and the mm -hmm. stuff like that. I think money is a resource. It's neutral. It's neither bad nor good, you know? Um, but it's like, what, what does it take for you to be content? Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's kind of another thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I see it mainly in professional lives. Um, another huge one. Okay. I'm a goals coach, but you know, the, the irony is I hate new year's resolutions. That's probably a good thing. Yeah, because here's the, the here's the stupid rule around that or what I've noticed just year in and year out. OK, it's December 31st. Everybody's drunk. Oh, my New Year's resolution is I'm going to lose weight. OK, <laughs> that happens so much. I mean, there's a the, the marketing of the health and wellness industry has that particular thing going on at that yep. time. OK, so June 10th, the gyms are still packed, right, because everybody's doing this New Year's resolution and they're talking about it. My New Year's resolution. OK, fast forward to February. The gyms are empty or they Comes go back. Every time. To like, yeah. And it's just this stupid rule that you're going to be virtue signaling your New Year's resolution mm -hmm. and you're actually not going to be sit. You'll go to the gym a few times but it's like, you're not actually buckling down to do the work. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, to, to people, um, to what I understand, I mean, the thing is, is we're not really even taught how to set goals in the institute, in the school institutions, right? We're just told like, well, the goal is to get, you know, a five on the AP or, you know, what have you, but it's like smart goals. I didn't learn that as a student. Um, and, you know, people, I don't, necessarily blame people but the thing is is that they I don't think a lot of them know that you know at least the two biggest ingredients to making your goals um stick is to write it down and to also assign a number metric to it mm -hmm. that's the key ingredient I mean if it's lose weight okay great how many pounds 20 pounds great by when okay March 31st do it you know like some sort of visual thing to see that says this is how far I've gotten. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. you need something to track your progress. You need the accountability. This is mm -hmm. difficult because you need to change your habits and more specifically like your neurotransmitters. You know, we need to start, we need to stop routing them, you know, to maybe sugar for that dopamine hit. We mm -hmm. need to reroute them and you need to begin to get that high from like, Oh, wow. You know, I, I beat my personal record. Mm -hmm. So no, and, and it's a very, a tough, it's very much uh, a tough thing to do because, um, that neuroplasticity is it's so you're so capable, Yeah. but to, to change the wiring is one of the hardest things that you'll ever do. And it's, it, it's getting a taste of, of, of true fulfillment after hard work. Yeah, and it gives you an idea of what that means. And so to me, it's almost been like you ignore your emotional bullshit long enough to realize what's on the other side. I right. think that's why it's so hard is because whenever you start doing the things that you're not used to, your brain saying, 
why are you doing this? This is how this, this is how this works. Don't do all these hard things. And you know, your emotions kick in and say, Oh, well, this is tough. It's not getting me anywhere. I'm never going to be able to change. Um, this right. is how long it's going to take. Um, it's not worth it, blah, blah, blah. And you almost have to be able to ignore those long enough yeah. to see like what you're saying, see the numbers make a difference. Yes. And then, you know, the, as the wiring does change, you will, you will actually feel different. You actually will feel positive. You actually will feel fulfilled. You actually will feel, feel more energy. I stick to the physical attribute things mostly because that's what I do. Um, uh, as far as being an athlete and stuff, but, uh, it's very tough and I understand where people have a very, very hard time with it. Yeah. And so what, I guess we've kind of covered a, a, a lot of these small things. Um, but do you think that there's something else that we can, can use to tackle some of this bullshit, like to, to tackle some of these silent rules, you know, is there something that as a goals coach, like you, you think that we can, um, do for the masses, I guess, in order to, to jumpstart the system. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is such a great question. I try a little too hard sometimes. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> I think what it is is, well, it happens on an individual level. And I think what it is, is I think each person needs to do, if they're not, if they're feeling dissatisfied in their life, mm-hmm. okay, it's to take stock of what is causing me dissatisfaction. Okay. Yeah. Um, what specifically, and then it's doing, you know, applying gratitude to a certain extent, but it's just like, okay, what have I learned from this? How can I change and move on? Mm -hmm. If I don't want to agree with this rule anymore, you know, and what I would honestly say, and I don't mean to be like, so brazen, but I mean, get a life coach. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like seek us out where we love to help people break their own molds. Find a fucking cheerleader. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like you have someone who can hold the space for you to be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. How do I how do I get back to a more authentic way of being where, you know, I don't have to be out in the New Jersey suburbs naming my kids Laura and Jennifer, you know, whatever. (laughs) Like, I want something new. I want something bold. I want something different. And, you know, I mean, really like life coaches help you tap into what it is that you want and how to execute on that plan and how to get, how to kind of walk through all of the fear while you do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with, with your clients in particular, then what kind of things have you seen uh, in their transition? Like, what is it like for these people? What are they doing? What are they facing? Oh, um, well, uh, one client in particular, I mean, it's, she's basically trying to get out of her job and, you know, being an entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. And it's basically walking her through some thought exercises like, okay, so you have a job right now, but you know, you want to do this. So what's holding you back, you know, and really just examining the thoughts and the feelings from like, say, pushing send on an email, 
right? Yeah, that'd be so hard sometimes. Why is yeah. that? I I think because it's like you're reaching into the, it's like you're going outside of the cave if we're talking like tribally, mm-hmm. right? You're going yeah. outside of the cave to go and, you know, maybe spear something. But the most brilliant thing was, was in talking about that and in working through an exercise, she did press send, you know, after our meeting. And then the next day um, I got a message saying the client wants to hire me. Mm-hmm. They were so happy that I reached out and I was just like, that's so amazing. You know, like what if you had just been stewing in your own fear? Mm-hmm that that connection wouldn't have happened you know this person wouldn't have that their life it would have been one more day without you helping them to do whatever and i'm i'm speaking very generally just because i don't want to breach any confidentiality of course yeah you know but it's just like you know it's it's going through those baby steps of you know that or it's maybe another person who has a fear of posting on social media mhm and examining, well, like, where does that come from? And was that just based on, you know, some offhand comment that was made five years ago that has nothing to do with social media? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we take that and how do we just kind of excise that cancer so that you can post in a way that it illuminates and it brings light to other people? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's all about how do we get you through your ego? And this is not specifically speaking about, but this is just the human experience, Mm -hmm. right? How how do we get you past your ego so that you're more in a country, like you're more in a space where you're contributing more? Mm -hmm. Well, and it it seems like, because I think this goes for all of us, is we're trying to prove to ourselves that it can't happen. Right. You know, without the action, it feels like we're trying to prove to ourselves. Well, see, see, yeah, can't do it. You know, they wouldn't, yeah. they never would have gotten back to me anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, no. It's a tough mental game. It is a really tough mental game, but it's like, you got to, you have to cling to the belief. Mm-hmm. You have to beyond everything like that. Like you have to cling. It's like you, it's like sort of as a life coach or as an entrepreneur, you're answering towards the future. You're answering to the future, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to most people who are answering to the present or even answering to the past. But it's yeah. like, you got to, you have that vision and yes, there are going to be setbacks in the present, but you still have to grab hold of the future and hold tight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a fucking tough world. It's a yeah. tough world. Where would you set people uh, or I'm trying to get a, a 360 view here. So if you had certain things that you want people to pay attention to, if they had in the generality of change, you know, and, and separating themselves from these bullshit rules, what would you want people to question first and what would you want them to remember as they go through the process who well let's just say that you know it's maybe i don't like playing this role in a relationship okay okay yeah let's do that so i think that the first thing is is i would have people kind of gather evidence in their mind of why they would think that they're playing this role. Like what are all of the moments that have brought you up to this belief 
that it, you're playing maybe this not so great role in mm-hmm. it. And then it would be a matter of, well, if you could, how would you want to shift that? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? If, if you don't want to be like, for example, um, I don't want to be like, like the fat sidekick to the beautiful girl, you know? <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like the one who makes the other person look good. Okay. Well, what mm-hmm. is all of the evidence that you think that this is happening? You know? Okay. And what I would do is I would do a very particular exercise where I would have people write out, um, this comes from um, Brooke Castillo and the life coach school, but it's sort of like, okay, what it is is circumstances are neutral, okay? I like to call these thought equations, but it's like you put the C, you know, the, the circumstance just, you know, it's neutral, it's neither bad nor good. Okay. Then, okay. The next line underneath that is a T, which is the thought that you have about the circumstance because circumstances are neutral until we have a thought about it. Then- And we what base the, some sort of positive or negative on it. Exactly. Then from your thoughts on the F line is your feeling. What is the feeling you get out of that? Okay. okay. What are Then underneath that, it's the actions. And then it would be the results of everything that has come before. Jesus, there's a lot to that. I know, but it's amazing. And I do this several times a day when I feel like, oh my gosh, I I can't do this. So let's just talk about like, maybe I don't, you know, the fat girl, the, the, the perception that I'm the fat girl to like the best friend who is gorgeous. Right. Mm -hmm. So what is the thought that is make, what is the feeling? What are we putting on the F line unworthy? Okay. Or, okay. What is the thought? that is giving you this. It's uh, I'm second banana. I'm not good enough, whatever. Negative thoughts are going to breed negative feelings, negative actions, negative results. Okay. How can we take the circumstance of, you know, best friends with Laura? Okay. Laura is the, the pretty girl. Okay. So if you wanted to feel something different from that, what do you need to be thinking? Or what do you need, what actions do you need to take so that you're not, you know, like that we're not playing this role. Mm-hmm. And what I would have people is do extensive thought work on that. Um, because change happens in your thoughts it, it before it even happens in your circumstances. Mm-hmm. But I would have people just kind of do that. And then what it would be is like, okay, well, you know, if we've done extensive amount of thought work, is this a toxic relationship? Are you, do you really feel like you're being used this way? Yeah. You know, what do you need to do with Laura? Do you need to distance from her? Do you, do you need to lose weight? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not saying that's appropriate for everybody, but it's just like, are you sure you're not taking this particular circumstance and you're blaming her for something that you deep down don't like? about yourself and and like are you proving to yourself that you're not capable of being better yes exactly exactly so it's a matter of i mean you would have to really work through this person by person but it's just like like let's just try to figure out all of the negative thoughts that are keeping you stuck Mm -hmm. 
how do we apply positive actions and positive thoughts and how do we make it a practice where this becomes your new identity? Yeah. That's how I would do it. Mm-hmm. Does that make does that make sense? No, it totally does because I mean as you filter through the system um it's amazing how quickly things can turn to the say left or right, positive yeah. or negative, however you want to take it. As soon as you drop into the automated thought process that you've always had. Yes. Right. And that kind of goes into that 80, 20 rule thing. Right. You know, and, and how much energy you expend by thinking of how bad you are or how not good enough you are. Right. Or how not capable you are. Yeah, exactly. And the thing about being human is that we're going to just blame our circumstances. We're Mm going to be like, oh, you know, this is the stimulus that's giving me this response, right? Mm -hmm. But the nice thing about being human is we can be superhuman. And there's that little half step between circumstance and feeling about thoughts. We can Mm -hmm. choose different thoughts that are going to yield us different feelings, different actions, and different results. We just need to practice them. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, oh man, who was the guy that said it? I know, I don't know if this directly came from Jordan Peterson or if it, he referenced it from somebody that he read from, because he's always talking about Nietzsche and, and Jung, um, and, and Dostoevsky, it's a hard one. Um, but he, I remember him saying that, and I'm hacking this pain is always there, but suffering is a choice. Yep. Right. And we choose to suffer. I think I just posted about it the other day. Yeah. We, we choose to suffer. Yeah. And it's only because of the way that we think about ourselves and the way that we think about our circumstances and, and our belief system in how we want to change or if we're capable of changing, it seems exactly. like. Yeah, totally. But the thing is, is again, being superhuman, we can choose to be emotionally resourceful. Mm-hmm. That, that's the whole thing about, am I applying the right thoughts to this situation so that, yeah, it may be uncomfortable, but am I, am I surviving through it? Am I thriving through it? You know, mm-hmm. um, am I doing what I'm doing to just kind of get through it and to be resilient and to build that muscle? Mm-hmm. Charlotte, do you have any thoughts on like, changing the way that you see the things that go wrong. It's like, so for example, so everybody kind of understands here is having the joy in the flaw and having, having joy in the things that fuck up, like the ability to be lighthearted and laugh shit off. I, I hate my gym. Sometimes I absolutely hate my gym. Sometimes I love my sport. I love the potential of me, myself and I, um, but sometimes I absolutely hate what I'm doing in the gym, you know, and there's, there's always waves. There's always periods. Um, but there's times where I'm struggling in the gym so much. And if I can break my thought pattern and I can be like, dude, that, that was the hardest grinding, like set of five reps I've ever had. And just be able to laugh about it and be like, fucking this day sucks. And the world's a bitch. And I hate tonight, but I'm here and I'm just going to laugh about it. Okay. Have you had any experiences with that? Like, I don't know if this is a thing, you know, it's just something that I think I've done for myself and being able to get 
myself away, like break the pattern of the bullshit. You yeah. Know? Okay. All of this, all this crappy things has happened. Like all of this, like I'm having a shitty set. I'm going to laugh about it. It sucks. Move on. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's two things that I thought about. The first thing is, is, um, you know, I'm a relatively new entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, I am making a ton of mistakes left, right, and center. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually keep a little log of stuff that's gone sideways because I'm just (laughs) like, there's this really great Nelson Mandela quote where it's, I never, and I'm bastardizing this, but it's, I never lose. I either win or I learn. Yep. So I take any mistakes that I make in my business. I'm just like, you know what? That's a learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, that's okay. So in order to avoid that, I got to do this in the process. So that's how I see it. I mean, that's what I really feel is education. Okay. Mm-hmm. When, okay. What we yeah. Have, yeah. What we really call education on a resume. And this is what Tony Robbins says. It's really schooling. There's a difference. Wow. Okay. Okay. The I do like ed- that. Yeah. The real education is out here when you're making mistakes. And, you know, the thing about like, why back to education about being compliance, it comes back to why do A students work for C students? Because C students tend to be non, they tend to be less compliant with this whole structure. Rebellious. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So that's why it's just like that whole thing about like, you know, having the nerve to be an entrepreneur and you come across so many entrepreneurs who were like, I was horrible at school, you know, Mm -hmm. because essentially they didn't get it. They were Mm non-compliant. So, but you have these A students who have gone through the system and they've gotten A's. So now they're well-trained to become great employees. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. That, Okay, that that's does, one ooh, very jaded that hits view. center of, right there. No, that's that. okay. There's what that's one very jaded view of viewing schooling. And I don't want to <laughs> backbite schooling. I, you know, I love learning. I've always mm-hmm. loved learning. I had a fabulous schooling, but I still have to come out, uh, I have to bat, you know, wave away that tendency to be an A student and get things right all the time. It's just like, no, you gotta, you gotta keep on learning because that's where the joy is. It mm-hmm. is screwing up and then realizing that you made a mistake. Then the second thing that I have about doing a set that it's hard and you're having a crappy day. I mean, I would just do like, what is, you know, this Brooke Castillo self coaching model. So it's like, you're unintentionally. So the circumstance neutral, a set, okay. A a heart, you know, a set of, you know, a weight that's neutral. If what is, what are you feeling? Just give me a word. Like, it's just your default reaction. Mm, I haven't done enough to be able to make this way easy. Okay. But that's a thought. Okay. What is the feeling? That's an unintentional thought. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel super insignificant. Okay, great. Super insignificant. What is the action that you take from being super insignificant? Ooh, like in the moment? It could be in the moment, however you want to, you know, model this out. Um, I would say I, 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 I pace and I get super angry and frustrated and I kind of shut down my system and, uh, you know, it'll go all the way up to, well, I'm just going to get this done and then I'm going to go home and like gorge on food and sleep. Okay. 
So the subsequent action is get it over with, go home, gorge and sleep. That sounds so horrible when you say it. (laughs) No, that's okay. That's okay. But what is the result of that? What is the result? Like, say you wake up the next day. I, I feel okay with the fact that I stayed at the gym. If I did, I, I rarely, I rarely just cut my gym, uh, sets off. Like I don't, I don't not finish, but I feel okay about finishing, but I'm upset that I let something destroy me so easily because even when I go home, I have things that I like to do before I go to bed and I gave up on those things. Okay. So gave up on enjoyable stuff before bed. Yep. Okay. Because you kind of went home and gorged. That's and totally- numbed out more or less. And yeah. numbed out. Okay. So that's a very human, natural, unintentional way of just dealing with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it all came from the thought. Okay. Yep. So now what is an, in- so let's say we want to have a different result. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's say you, uh, it's a doing a set of I don't know what weight it is, but that's the circumstance. How would you like to end the day? Like, let's start with the result. We know it's going to be, you know, heavy. I would like to, I would like to finish at the gym and then go home and do and work on the podcast. Okay. And uh, make sure my screen is off by 930 and use the last half hour of, my awake time to read. Great. Like that. Yeah. Cause okay. I used to get home pretty late. So, okay. So we're just going to put that in the results line. Okay. Okay. What is the thought that you can have about doing this difficult set that is going to give you the feeling that is going to give you the action that is going to give you the result? At least you haven't given up. Yes. You could do, even do something stronger. Oh God, now you're asking me to dig deep into the bag there. Yeah, well, that's just it because this is what I've learned just in doing this. It's just like, I mean, today I did a coach, I did a self-coaching model about this podcast because admittedly I was scared, okay? <laughs> you okay. know, and I, I looked over all of, you know, everything and it was just like, okay, I feel like I'm taking an exam. You know, like I'm preparing for an exam, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel nervous because I don't know who's going to be listening to this. But then I mm-hmm. just thought, okay, um, what if I'm able to help people who really need it? That's on my thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. Feeling inspired. Action. I have an enjoyable podcast with you. Okay. Who cares about anybody else? Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. then the result is you know, maybe I attract someone who wants to talk to me, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's different because it's just like unintentionally. I'm just like, oh, I don't know how many people are going to listen to this and they're all going to hate me and blah, 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 you know, and that's just a distortion, but it's like, you really just have to write out. And it's not like sometimes when you're doing the T line, it does feel a little affirmation-y, but, mm-hmm. but the thing is, is that positive actions are going to beget positive results, Mm -hmm. negative action or negative thoughts, negative results. Yeah. It it seems so logical, right? Yeah, it does. But it's like, it's just these little half steps where you can really play with your mind. I just think about it as just put another cassette tape in if you don't like the song, 
you know, mm-hmm. and it, yeah. we've heard this over and over. Well, just think something differently. No, it's a discipline where it's just like, okay, like I had a horrible date last week. I had a really bad date, right? And I came home and I felt just bad. And I was just like, okay, so in my F line, I feel like I've been gut punched. I mean, not really, but it's just sort of like, you, you know, feel it in your gut. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, what is the thought that I'm getting from this? Oh, right. Subconsciously, it's there are no good men in LA. You know? And we know that's bullshit. Right. And so what is the action if I kept on going from that? Well, I just, I, it would take me longer to get back up and go out. And then the result is, well, just more singleness. Mm-hmm. which that can be fine for people. But I feel as though I, I mean, it's been kind of rough being single during the pandemic. It's been great. Like I've done a lot of work on my career and on myself, but you know, but the thing is, is I had to just, okay. So that was my unintentional thought. How can I be intentional about this? How can I yeah. look at this in a different way? Oh, well, that was an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. You know, then the feeling from that is, okay, let's just, you know, I feel, I feel better. I feel more inspired to go out. Um, the action is meeting people and not investing so much in just one date. And then the mm-hmm. result, if you extrapolate this out enough, is you meet Mr. Right or Mr. Right now. Mm-hmm. But it really is that little shift. Well, and you know, you could even look at it as like you got a bad one out of the way. Like if you have to find the needle in the haystack, okay, yeah. you you put one off to the side. There's another one. Yeah, exactly. I like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of like the idea. I think the hard part for, for me or probably a lot of people, I guess, would be to not go into auto autopilot to, to catch yeah. ourselves yes. and, and continue the practice because yeah. it seems like it would make such a difference in the way that you act things out after that. Yes, you do. Because you realize that you're not a slave to your unconscious mind and these defaults and these rules that everybody's mm-hmm. silently agreeing to. Mm-hmm. You know, you really have control over your thoughts. Yeah. You know, and if you if if you're having a bad feeling, it just means you're having a bad thought, and you got to mm-hmm. just do the work to be like, okay, what's making me feel this way? Mm-hmm. And it, I feel as though having this tool, it's so helpful because um, I used to be really scared of relationships and everything because it feels as though in our culture, the, the, the story that's constantly told, at least in pop culture is that relationships don't last. Somebody cheats on someone, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, Oh, I don't want to sign up for that. Mm-hmm. But then again, that's a thought. And it was just like, no, this really just kind of writing it out. It, it allows me to have a sense of, I want to say cleaner emotional hygiene. Yeah. Yeah. Like I get it. We're all flawed. This mm-hmm. whole existence is flawed. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what can I do? How can I tap into like my higher self to not have a flawed reaction to a flawed situation? Mm-hmm. And this isn't pushing toxic positivity. Like there are situations where you should just step aside and feel the feelings. Okay. Mm-hmm. You should feel, but the thing is, is that if you're feeling all of the feelings about even just small, minor bullshit, okay, mm-hmm. that can add up mm-hmm. like this past date. I mean, th- I mean, if I really let it get to me, I wouldn't be, you know, going out and dating. I would just be in my own way. 
and you'll stay single and prove to yourself that there's no good men and you're going to stay single. Exactly. Exactly. But this, this, this thought is just, I mean, this little exercise, it's really helpful. And you know, you need it when you're coming across like a hesitation, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm scared to do this. Like I'm scared to show up for this podcast because whatever. And then it was just like, no, I'm here not to talk about how great I am, but maybe I'm here because somebody needs this message. Yep. And so I, I do, I do want to go back into this because it sounded kind of juicy. Yeah. Um, we were talking about the, the differences in the way that people were in education, like the straight A students compared to the C students, mm-hmm. right? Because in that, what I hear is compliance. Yeah. Right. And it's the story we're being told of like, this is the success you're going to get if you do what I tell you to, which leads. And I think this is why you were saying like C's will end up employing the A's. Right. Right. Because they're being told that this is all the things that they need. So they, you know, that could go for every other aspect of their life of just, I will follow these rules because I've been told this is what I'm going to get. Right. And you keep waiting for it and you keep waiting for it. Yes. And the C students are like, fuck that. I'm going to go my own way. Like they don't get to tell me how, how smart I am. They don't get to tell me how cool I am. I'm going to figure this out on my own. Exactly. And I'm not saying this is how every, like there's, you know, we know the guys that are getting the C, some of the guys that are getting the C's, D's and F's, like they never tried at anything after that, you know, maybe, but some of the most popular names out there are from guys that flunked out of high school. Yeah. That never got their (laughs) diploma. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's like a badge of honor in Silicon Valley to drop out of whatever Ivy League school. You know? oh, God. <laughs> like, you know, we have Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's just, um, yeah, because it's just like you have people who are smart, but then it's like, you know, they see the real opportunity. It, it doesn't lie with the diploma. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like they just kind of left the system. Mm hmm. But yeah, I really feel like the education system, I mean, this is what really boggles my mind from having, look, I got a master's degree and I got the student loan payment, you know, like I got that whole student loan thing, you know, in addition, it's just like, there's so much perceived compliance, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're going to comply to go for more, you know, like more education, more debt. And then it's just like, now you have to work, Mm -hmm. you know, in order to get rid of the debt. I mean, I, I think that the student loan crisis is going to cause a major overhaul in education because we're. I think that it's scarring a whole generation of people who are not going to value higher education yeah. and they're not going to put their kids through what they went through. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like we there needs to be some sort of overhaul where it's like we're producing critical or creative thinkers, mm-hmm. but it's not so rooted in compliance. Mm-hmm. You know? And what do you think it takes to have that critical mind then? Like your parents were it's the, just listening to you about them. It's like they were so not status quo. They were so outside the circle of normality. Yeah. Um <laughs> you know, not saying they're, they're weird or anything, but they just, and maybe it was mostly your mom, who knows? Uh, but, or, well, no, I, I guess your dad would like wrote the book at 80, you know, got the, the book at 89 or whatever, but they had such a don't give a fuck attitude. 
Yeah. But like no pressure to do what anybody else was doing. Did you feel a pretty good effect from that? Like, did that influence you a lot? Do you think? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I, I thought it, um, yeah. Cause it's just like, it, to a certain extent, I always felt like I was like the weird person. Like, yeah. um, you know, like I was a drama major and it was just like, great, you're going to be in this play and you're going to write yourself into the role, like into the play. Like, <laughs> you know, it was this experimental theater production where I was yeah. just like, okay, sure. Or, you know, when I did a, I did a semester abroad in Connecticut, you know, cause I really wanted the whole tri-state experience. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was great. It was like a conservatory for uh, 14 weeks and it's a conservatory like environment. And it was just like the head of the, the head of the, the program was just like, yeah, you're weird. You know, like, you're just like, that's what he, how he started my review, like my, you know, with grades and everything. He's like, well, you're weird. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was just like, for a while, I just felt a little bit like, I don't know, just hearing that as a 20 or 21 year old, it yeah. felt kind of awful. Um, Cause that's I was just kind like, of a, a subtle stab in the back. Yeah. And I was just like, so I'm the weird person of the drama kids. What does that mean? Yeah. The drama um, kids are usually the weird ones, right? Yeah, exactly. But it was, and I, I think that it also showed up when I was dating in my twenties and thirties. Like I yeah. could not relate to a lot of the guys I was dating because they came from, we all come from different backgrounds, but it's just like, I didn't, I could tell we weren't heading in the right direction. We weren't heading yeah. in similar directions. Like yeah. I, yeah. And so it did have an effect. Um, and I think I go back to the quality of your life is the quality of the questions that you ask yourself. Ooh, yep. So still gets me second time. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I think I was asking different questions of myself from my peers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that's shown up a lot and I've let it go that I've been the weird one or whatever, you know, I'm just me. And right now, my biggest thing is not chasing after significance so much as it's chasing after growth and contribution. Growth and contribution. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I am a fan of Tony Robbins and he talks about the six human needs mm -hmm. and it's basically every human has the need for certainty, the which is the ability to avoid pain and gain pleasure. Mm -hmm. There's also uncertainty, which is the need for variety. So it's like, for example, if you are in a relationship too long and it gets too stale and somebody's cheating on someone, it's because they're fulfilling their need for variety. Then it's like we have the need for significance, which is... Um, uh, the, to be standing apart from, from everybody else. And people fill those needs in various ways. Like you could have 17 children and be fulfilling your need for being different from everybody else by that. But you yep. could also do it by having orange hair, you know, people have different That's an ways. easy one. Yeah. And then it's like, you have the need for connection, which is almost the opposite of significance because it's like connection. You want to be close to people significance. It's almost like I'm different from everybody else. So you may adhere to some rules. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it's sort of like why famous people are so unhappy. It's because they have so much cultural significance. I put that in quotes. 
like they're so different and they're so novel, right? And then they all head off to rehab because they have so much significance that it's hard to get connection. Yeah, yeah. Because people are on their payroll and yeah. you know, you, you attract the wrong person, they're gonna be telling the gossip rags about you. Mm-hmm. And then finally, it's the two, so those are four human needs, then there are two spiritual needs, which are growth and contribution. Mm-hmm. And so I did um, Unleash the Power Within Virtual during uh, the pandemic like three times, which is kind of insane. It's like self-development, the rock concert. Um, <laughs> That's and it's, definitely Tony Robbins. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, the he, as he said, our Western culture is training us to need cert- or to value certainty and significance above all else. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah is why people are taking these jobs thinking I got to support my kid you know can't go hungry can't follow my dreams right and then significance with everything that's going on in social media and that's to a certain extent what is really pointing towards this malaise of just we have everything but we're just not happy but it's Mm -hmm. if you make that shift where you're going more after growth and you're going more after contribution you'll get everything else but it'll be a much richer journey. Mm-hmm. So if you were to, if people get to this point of recognizing the rules, which I think is a, a very hard position to get to, but I think your misery and your, and your, uh, your lack of fulfillment will lead you there. You'll, yeah. you'll figure out that there's rules that don't make sense. Right. Um, what do you think are the best ways to st- to start stepping away from all those silent rules that we follow. Like what can we do to get the fuck out of there? I think it's returning to, I mean, in this self-exploration, it's returning to the identifying and returning to your core values. Okay. And I don't think a lot of people know what values are. I don't think they know what their core values are but basically i define it as this is why you do this and not that like Mm -hmm. if you can look at the major junctures in your life you know what is the common denominator what were you why did you make those moves Mm -hmm. you know i think it's being like okay let's re-identify the values that we all have and then let's see if you know um if this rule or not rule is, is in alignment with my values. Mm-hmm. So if people don't really have an, a great idea of what core values is, or um, if they understand it, but they don't really know what that means for them, what would be a good example for, for the people that want to get to where you're going with this? Okay. So like, what if people don't know what their values are? Like, how should they go about it? Yeah, because I mean, I guess to me, I would see people being being like, okay, well, I don't know who I am. I don't, I don't know, you know, those things that I want. I don't know what I value. I I think it, what it would require is, you know, maybe an afternoon of looking over your life and the experiences that you've had, mm-hmm. you know, and what brought you the most joy or satisfaction. Or if you went through a lot of pain, what was a common denominator? I mean, my core value is integrity. Mm -hmm. 
And that came from several different things. Um, when I was young, okay, so my parents were rebels, but they were still kind of hard asses. When I was <laughs> young, I was in like the third grade and there was a math test and the boys around me were all cheating. And so I cheated too. And so I came home and I had a crisis of conscience. I was just like, oh, that was bad. And yeah. I told my mom and she was just like, well, we're just going to go in and have you tell the teacher tomorrow morning. Okay. That All was right. the worst night of my life. Oh, I, um, <laughs> and, you know, and so the next day I had to tell Miss Taylor and I was crying and, you know, it left a huge thing. And so I was just like, okay, so that was a thing. Then it was also, um, you know, my decision to get out of debt so aggressively. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it came to a point where it was, I mean, I had six figures of student loan debt and I just felt like I couldn't be creative, you know, doing this. And I had spent three years out of grad school before I, I was just like, I got to get rid of this. And what I realized what was really driving it, and this is not for everybody with debt, but it's like, for me, it felt like a breach of my values because mm -hmm. I had borrowed money and I was making the lamest attempts to pay it back. You know, because I, look, I, I mean, I'll never forget the call when my grace period was over. It was just like, your minimum is $756. Whew. Yeah. 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 You remember that. And it was just like, I, and once I actually sat down and I did the math of like the 25 year payment plan, right? The interest would have been as much as the principal. Oh. Yeah. Ow. And to me, what that was, was, I mean, it just spoke to like, I'm out of integrity if I don't pay it back, okay, but it yeah. was like, and the, there's going to be a punishment for it because look, if you don't pay it back, it's just, you're going to eventually, owe. you know, it'll show up on like your IRS form as like, that's like taxable income, mm -hmm. like 25 years later, mm -hmm. and you're still going to have to be paying something back. Yeah. And I yeah. just, I just didn't want that psychological weight. And there mm -hmm. have been other, you know, instances when I will have like, uh, you know, a minor crisis of conscience and I'll be like, yep, that's, it's integrity. Because mm -hmm. I remember my mom was just like, oh, we don't lie, steal or chill. Lie, steal or, steal or cheat, daughter. <laughs> you know? So you do that it, voice so amazing. <laughs> thank you. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that for me, it is. It's it. It's looking over my life and being like, where have I gotten the most pleasure? Where did I receive the most pain? Mm -hmm. What do those, what is the theme among all of that? And for other people, it may not be integrity. Um, it may be um, my core value is connecting with people because mm -hmm. I need people. And I need to be, I need to feel connected to them. Um, for some people, it could be my core value is success. Mm -hmm. That life looks different from somebody who values connection or connectivity, you know, over everything else to somebody who values integrity. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, it's all just like, what can you identify in your life that supports that and what feels right to you? Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I think that I thank you for your, your example. Um, uh, I think that gives people a good idea. And I think that's an amazing one. Uh, integrity is a very hard thing to find, I think, you know, uh, there's a lot of confusion and disruption in the world. So I think it's a great one. Um, and, to, and to throw myself out there, my biggest one has always been like the thing that makes me feel good is the support that I give people around me, you know, and for a while, I it was like, 
I had questioned myself on it. Like, you know, if I keep giving to others, what do I get back? And right. it was that stupid thing of like, you, you know, um, I felt resentful because I, I wasn't getting what I thought I was supposed to. But right. that was that was a that was a, a Mr. Nice Guy situation. Like, I think everybody a lot of males should read that book because it's it, it's manipulation. And what book is this? It's called No More, no More Mr. Nice Guy. OK, I cannot remember the author's name, uh, but it's fantastic. But he talks about Mr. Nice Guy because it's this guy that is the people pleaser. He puts himself out there to do all the kind things and to be loving and to be charming. And like all these things are, are, are good, but it comes from the angle of manipulation, ex having expectation of other people and right. doing services for them in order to get what you want. Right. And so there was a need to separate the support that I want to give to others, separate it from my own bullshit. Right. But it always comes back down to, I feel amazing when people feel like they can trust me. When people feel like I'm helping them with something, even yeah. in the smallest, smallest factor. Yeah. It's how we're wired. Yeah. Like that is human nature. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're a sociopath, but um, there's always that. Yeah. But another really great book to read along the lines is Adam's Adam Grant's Give and Take. Ooh, okay. And he divides up the world into three different types of people. There are givers, there are takers, and there are matchers. Okay. So giver. So who tends to succeed the most? Givers. Who tends also to succeed the list, the least givers? Ooh, interesting. Yeah. So it's a matter of, he talks about how it's the best thing to do is to give without expectation. Yes. Right? Yes. But the thing is, is that you have to be very careful about not over giving to takers. That, that's the type of the uh. giver who yeah. is kind of like giving away so much that there's just nothing left. Mm -hmm. So um, it's such a great book um, because it, it helped me. I mean, I took the, he has a quiz online and I, I was a matcher, but the more that I've really just experimented with just giving and just not caring, I think the happier I've gotten. Okay, and, yeah. but I'm, I'm aware of like, for example, I, I have like my spidey sense goes off when I'm in the presence of a taker. So I'm just not going to, I'm not saying like, I'm a perfect giver, but, um, I'm working on it. And, um, I'm very careful if somebody presents themselves or is giving off clues that there's a taker, I'm, I'm going to be very careful about giving to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it I've talked to people about this before too. There's a difference between um, like being selfish is not, it doesn't have the negative connotation that everybody always thinks it does. Because if you don't give enough to yourself, you can't, the only things that you can give to other people is like your time and like your hands pretty much. Right. You know what I mean? So if you're only giving to other people, you're not giving enough to yourself. There's a difference between you know, being selfless and being selfish and seeing how selflessness can be a bad thing and how, and how being selfish can be a good thing yes. if you go about it in the right way. Exactly. Exactly. So do you think of everything that we've covered today? We've had, we've had some amazing stories, Charlotte. I'm pretty oh, impressed. Thank you. Thank <laughs> um, you. The, 
Is there anything that we haven't covered that you really want to be heard or discussed on the silent rules? The only thing is, is, and I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but it's just to gain awareness of what they are and why they're there. Yeah. That's what the biggest takeaway. Yeah. The biggest takeaway that, you know, I can give people is, okay, so if I go into Target and I purchase this, I'm agreeing with the rule that this is how capitalism is and Mm -hmm. that it's an exchange of value, okay? And this comes from, you know, this is a very, this is a very much embedded cultural tradition. I'm not going to steal here. I don't advocate stealing, okay? But this is why we do this and this is the rule. But it's like, you know, if, if, you are in a relationship where let's say that it's um, somebody's cheating on you and you know, it's not, this is, we're not talking about ethical sluttery, you know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're talking about somebody is okay. So how did the relationship get to there? What are the rules that are going on right now that this person thinks that they can do this to me? Mm -hmm. Okay, like, and why is that? And can we get awareness of it? Because again, I'm not, I'm not calling for every single rule to be rescinded ever, but as a way to just kind of pinpoint where people are feeling unsatisfied in their lives. Mm-hmm. What, what invisible thing are they following that is causing them to act this way? And to pinpoint it and just be like, why is this? Is this out of alignment with my values and my dreams and whatever? Or is this in alignment? Like, why am I feeling this way? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't come to just the tangible. It comes to our relationships too and the way we connect. Absolutely. It's, yeah, because they're all over. If you really just stop, I mean, it's just sort of like, why do we drive on the right side of the road? It's a rule. It's Mm -hmm. a very sanctioned rule. Oh, I'm totally going to start driving on the left now. (laughs) But it's like, you know, there are rules and there are some rules that aren't meant to be broken because we don't want bodily harm to people. (laughs) But there are other things and it all comes down to the little subcultures that you're a part of. It's the patterns, it's the behavior, it's everything that is subtly conditioning you and when you wake up and you have that, that moment of realization where it's just like, why, why is this feeling so off? Mm-hmm. You have to examine, okay, what structures am I willingly participating in that is giving me this result? Yeah. And- Ooh, that's a fantastic way to put it. I love the way that you ended that. That was awesome. Thank Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, th- very well put. Thank you. Um, okay, Charlotte. So if you had things that you would want to give to people in the end here, um, like other, uh, like things to things to change them. So like books or particular habits or other people that, that you follow that have made a difference in your life, what sticks out to you the most? Absolutely. Um, so in terms of um, influencers, I would have to say, I love impact theory with Tom Bilyeu. So good. I know such great conversations. I love it. Um, I, I love that. Um, I think that one of the people who I really look up to is Sophia Amoruso of, um, nasty gal fame. Um, no idea. 
Okay, she wrote hashtag girl boss, which I know okay. I shouldn't like a book called hashtag girl boss, but <laughs> it's an amazing story of a, a community college dropout who started um, selling vintage clothes on eBay and mm -hmm. grew like this was back in the mid aughts and grew such a rabid fan base that eventually it blew up into like a multi multi millionaire brand like multi-million dollar brand and it's just like for me that is a testament to you know if she was put in you know the so-called like the 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 rules of well you're going to community college so that means that you're never gonna you know like I feel like the implicit rule or whatever is like you're never gonna make it you know like the yeah but it's just like there's there's a feeling I feel out there yeah of people look down on people who go to community college or whatever, you know, <laughs> like there's a certain silent rule that we're all agreed to like, Oh, you're never going to be a multimillionaire going to community college. Okay. That's just not the story that people tell, but mm -hmm. it's like, what is so brilliant about her story is that she bucks the cliche at each turn, you know? And so I look up to her a lot. Um, I also love the code of the extraordinary mind by Vishen Lakhani. I also love Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, I also really love um, the work of Michael Hyatt, um, who really inspired me just with goals and just breaking them down into like habit and achievement goals. Cause you can basically go anywhere, you know, you can do anything you want if you can break it down into a habit goal or an achievement goal. Okay. So I really that love that. What? I'll have to look that guy up. Yeah. And then I also love the 80-20 principle um, by something, I, I think his last name is Coke. Um, and then I also love, um, let me see, I'm just looking over at the books that I read for 75 Hard. <laughs> um, yeah, like, uh, yeah, and Give and Take by Adam Grant. Um, yeah. which I think is especially good for coaches because I think we tend to be care bears at heart. Mm. And we don't want to be taken advantage of. Totally. Yeah. You got to be soft and hard all at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, and then also in terms of influencers in the coach space, I love Stacey Bayman. Um, she has the 2K for 2K program and it's sales and marketing for coaching, but it's so much more. That's where I got the model from um, of these thought equations. Okay. Uh, any habits and actions or anything, some, some that people can try to, to just, you know, put in their life and be like, that helps makes the baby yeah. steps. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, if you work with me, I help people, you know, develop a gentle momentum towards getting something. I mean, for me, it's just like, we just take small baby steps and we gradually just snowball. Um, for example, okay, so I'm just, I'm such a geek about this, but for about the last three years, I've been recording my steps on a spreadsheet. Okay. Um, so you are I, a little bit of a geek. I love this. This is awesome. Yes. So what I do is like, and so what I do is I measure it year over year, depending on the date. So today is June 3rd. Can the June 3rd 2021 version outwalk the June 3rd, 2020 version of Charlotte. Okay. So yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. It's, a, but, but the wonderful thing is, is that you just get into the, like, you know, our phones are already tracking how many steps we take. So you just log it. 
And then what it is, it's just like, you're just outdoing yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, every month. And then eventually what I want this to do is I want this to push me into a regular running habit where it's just like, I'm out running what I did the previous year, you know, we're out with just all of my steps. And that, that keeps me going because it means that I'm only competing against myself. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to compare to anybody else. Exactly. It keeps me just totally focused on my own health and my own progress. And I'm kind of addicted to it. And now what I've started (laughs) to do is um, I now log how many um, words I write per day. Okay. Because, you know, I, I want to be balancing life coaching with, you know, screenwriting and everything like that. And for me, it's just like, am I showing up to do the work? Yeah. Totally. I've had to put screenwriting on the back burner while I just kind of adjust to life coaching, but it's, um, but now that it's just like, okay, you know what, if we put it in the category of writing right with walking, then it's just like, my ego just kind of disappears. It's just like, okay, yeah. do the work, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I think so many times people expect the work to be the sexy thing. Right. And it's so dirty. Yeah. It's it so really dirty. Is. And it's so messy and you make so many mistakes, but it's just like, that's where the learning is. Yeah. And that's what, where the engagement factor comes in. And that's what I think is the biggest lesson and the biggest gift that my parents gave me outside of unconditional love. It was just like, no, just try it. Just go for it. Just do it. Who cares? You know, just, are you learning something? Are you expanding your mind? Mm -hmm. Okay, so so last question, and I love to hear what people have on this one. What does it mean to you to be rebel-minded? Oh, that is such a great question. I think it really comes down to, I think it's to be rebel-minded is to know yourself. Ooh. Number one, to know yourself and to know what silent rules you are participating in. And whether you are in alignment with those rules, and we're talking about just the behavioral stuff, we're not talking about, you know, robbing Target or anything like that. (laughs) You know, are you in alignment with, are they, are you following these implicit rules that are in alignment with who you really are? So that's what I'm, that's what I think it means to be rebel minded. And then also just like, are you acting in a way that's contributing to other people in a positive way? Are you making a difference? Exactly. Exactly. Because I think that our default is to just be like me, 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 negativity, negativity, negativity. So I think that what it means to be rebel minded is like, can, do you have the balls to be yourself and can you like really make a difference? Can you contribute? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that we've done fantastic today. Thank you for everything that you've given. Yeah. Today was great. Like there's so many things that stick out uh, that I can't wait for everybody here. And you know what? Um, I hope that you can thank your parents from me also, because they seem to have had such an amazing influence on you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And if you need somebody to take you to the dance, I will fucking definitely come down to California and take you to the dance. Thank you. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, before we go, can I just um, just plug my my like my website and stuff like where yes. people can find me? Yes, that's I, I want everybody to know where they need to to find you. So what are those places? 
Sure. So my website is charlottewinters.com. That's C-H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E winters.com. Um, on Instagram, it's I'm, I am Charlotte Winters. Okay. All one word. And then I actually, I'm just getting my socials up. So I had to write this down. Um, for <laughs> Facebook, it's facebook.com backslash I'm Charlotte Winters. And then on Twitter, it's I'm Char Winters, C-H-A-R-W-I-N-T-E-R-S. But with the I'ms, it's I'm Charlotte Winters. It's all one word. Perfect. Well, awesome. Charlotte, thank you again for being here. This was super fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Zach. I had such a blast. <laughs> Me too. Uh, dude, uh, so thank you, everybody, for being on the Rebel Minded Podcast. Um, I'm going to continue to bring on host. Charlotte Winters is one of my favorites. This, is, this has been fantastic today. I loved oh, it. wow. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone out there, stay strong and stay Rebel Minded. I'm your host, Zach. Here we are again at the end. I'm starting to tear up a little bit. And I just want you to know that I'm going to miss you. And I appreciate you. And I love you. And I hope that whatever you're after, you keep fighting for it. Your experience is uniquely your own. And so that means so are the challenges that you face. Stay strong. And don't let anyone diminish who you are or what you dream of being. As your friend and fellow flawed human, stay rebel-minded, my friends. Until next time. You know? Yeah, and I've, I've, eventually we're going to get to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, uh, I, I've, I've read a little bit up on, um, like generational trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and sometimes you can take things on too strongly because you'll go, Oh my God, that's why I'm fucked up. And you have two options. Like you can stick to that and be like, yeah, this is why I'm fucked up. And this is why I'm mad. And you know, all this stuff, or you can say, Hey, I want to break that chain. And yeah. I, I legitimately go back and forth like fighting it like well my my dad and blah blah blah, and like this is why i have such a hard time i'm like okay well that's not fucking helping right you know i I gotta i I gotta take initiative and take power into my own hands and i have to leave it doesn't at this point it doesn't matter what i'm mad about and doesn't matter what made the trauma anymore it doesn't matter you know you can only reflect on it so much before it you have all the information from it and it's only going to hold you back like you you stop moving right um and I think it's like that for a lot of people too. And I think if there's a certain lifestyle that people grow into, um, you know, like literally grow into from, from children and they don't experience abrasion, they don't experience challenge, whether it be from the parents or the peers or, or whatever, then how would you know what it's like to, to feel fulfilled from challenge yeah. and abrasion? Oh, you know? yeah. I, to- I was speaking about this with somebody the other day. It's the difference between being resourceful and resources. Okay. So the people, and I will say, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I grew up relatively privileged, surrounded by resources, but I met people in my adulthood who had way more resources as a kid and they didn't 
ever develop the resourcefulness of mm-hmm. what happens when life gives you an adversity or a challenge. Like they mm-hmm. don't know, it's the mental jujitsu that you have to do in order to overcome it. It's just like, how can I feed on this difficulty and allow it to make me be stronger? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's. I think we all have to admit that there's a lot of messy things. Yeah. And I think we have to commit to like ignore all of the mess, like not ignore all of the mess, but put focus onto a piece of it that really, really matters to you because you can have conversations and people are like, well, why don't you have an opinion? If you like, if you don't, if you don't land left or right, you know, then you must not care. No, it's like, I'm trying to separate myself from having 80% of that negative thought throughout my day and be worried and in survival mode all the time and actually give my value to something to make a difference in the mess that's going on. Right. You know, and it's so easy to get caught up because the negative things are the easy things. The dramatic things are the exciting things. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a totally different feeling, you know, in our emotions, the, the, the quote unquote bad ones compared to the good ones. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's the biggest challenge that I have. And I think most of us have is being able to commit and ignore the things that, you know, are, are fucked up enough to, to understand that it's, it's only going to devalue your life and it's only going to keep you from actually giving value to others in that life. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. And the whole point is, can you, you know, work on yourself so much that you, you know, you help other people. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. just stop with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's honestly where I felt the most grandeur or, you know, whatever you want to call it is putting my, my work into something and, and it making a difference or, you know, yeah. just if something, if somebody says something small and being like, well, what if I put in more work on this? What if I put in more work on this? Like how deep can I go and what's going to be the value given, you know, and what's going to be the response. Right. Um, but anyway, um, so